Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world, though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the podcast. Saul Marquez is here, and today I have the privilege of hosting Carlos Montero Luc. He's an IT executive with years of experience in enterprise software, a graduate of the MIT, and educated at the Harvard Business School. He runs Huggin Tech, a company dedicated to ensuring families can support their elderly loved ones with their health and independence. Previously, Carlos was executive vice president at Intralinks and ran an engineering and product organizations at a number of successful startups and public companies. Carlos, I'm so privileged to have you here today, and I'm excited to hear what you and your team are doing to help us support our loved ones with their health care and their independence. Saul, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Yep. I look forward to that. Yeah, yes. it's going to be fun. So before we dive into Huggin Tech, also the origins of the name and everything that you guys do, we had a fun conversation before this, everyone. And Carlos will be able to share some of that with you all. What got you into healthcare and you know what inspires you to stay in it? Yes, so um, healthcare is obviously very important, not only to our economy, but to us personally. I also personally, I think it's a, it's a basic human right, but I also believe that societies need to allocate resources wisely so that they can ensure the best possible healthcare for their people, maximizing the outcomes at costs that do not make the system unsustainable. Whether the system is private, it's public, that's always the same. So I think that there's a role for technology in this. Uh, that's not news to anyone. But the, in collaboration with health professionals, patients, and their families. And this is the area where I think we are adding particular value. And, of course, public institutions and private companies. The idea is, of course, improving outcomes and maintaining costs sustainable. So I got into healthcare and I got into this space specifically because I saw this with my family. I saw it with you know, many people that are trying to figure out how to ensure that their older adults in their family are healthy, that they stay independent for a long time, because that has a lot of benefits, both in terms of health and well-being, and of course, economic for them and for the system. So this is what made me passionate about this. This is why we started the business. And uh, this is why we are driving this as hard as we can. No, that's so great. And, you know, you mentioned technology is critical to get us there. And, you know, these times that we're in, it's certain that, you know, technology is helping us get through the challenges that we have, whether it be in the workplace directly or powering virtual visits. It's certainly uh, or managing medications, right? It's certainly important. And sustainability, man, you mentioned that, and it's something that we have to be so sensitive about. So talk to us a little bit about Hug and Tech and how the business you're building is adding value to the consumer and the healthcare ecosystem. 
Yes. So I'll talk a little bit about the, the name of the company. It's, a cool, it's, actually, it's a cool background, right? I, I love it. And I love you. for you to share it. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So it, it's uh, Hugging Tech from Hugin, which is one of the, the two ravens that uh, brought news to about Odin in, in Viking mythology. And the idea was that, you know, we're looking for ways in which remote news or remote uh, members of a family unit can actually be involved with their loved ones, regardless of the distance, the time zones, how busy their lives are, etc. So what we built is a, a mobile platform called Howie. And Howie also has a bit of this origin. Howie comes from the concept, the notion of an extended family in Hawaii, which is not just a blood, blood relatives, but also a community for a specific purpose. And that involves caring for each other. And in this case, the purpose is, as I mentioned, the health and independence of older adults who are living alone or mm-hmm. as couples, but, uh, but they have this unit of this community that would like to be a better part of, of their lives. So in, in my case, for example, my parents lived in, in Spain. I was in Boston for many years. So 3,000 miles away, my sister uh, lived in Brussels, now she lives in Quito. So again, uh, far away, my brother was the one who is also a medical doctor. He, he was the one who actually took care of their health and supported them more. Even though we are a very loving family, we're very close together, etc. So as we saw it, we don't think that there's a real solution that helps families integrate and collaborate in, a, in an effective way to provide this care and to be part of this chain of care that involves also healthcare system and other social services, etc. So what we've built is this, this community this um, Howie, which is a mobile platform. Now, it's really important that it runs on personal devices. That means that uh, you don't have to buy any additional devices. You don't have to use anything that you need to be trained on. And the idea is that by communicating, collaborating on tasks, whether they're daily tasks or tasks that they coordinate with healthcare, they can actually play this much more significant role with their loved ones in ways that they cannot do otherwise. So it is a platform that where we create essentially a virtual kitchen table, we call it. It's mm-hmm. a virtual meeting place where the family, regardless of where they are, they meet there, they talk to each other, they think about it like a, like a dinner almost, right? But where they can also do things like plan daily tasks that they either can do themselves or they can coordinate with third parties. And then they can also, in coordination with healthcare, they can take some of the load of gathering clinical data or running some health tests and bring them to the home, discharging, for example, some of the costs of primary care and providing greater continuity of care because these are data that you can take on a daily basis or on a regular basis as opposed to the next time you go to see the doctor. And then the, the family can also respond to emergency issues. So for example, when there's an emergency, everybody in the family knows about it and then they can work collaboratively to actually work to, to, to support the older adult and make sure that they're healthy, make sure that nothing bad happens to them. So this is a private network for the older adult and their family. So it's not a social network from that point of view. It's completely private to them. Uh, it includes the caregivers. It includes this extended family. It could be very close friends. It could even be neighbors with a reduced role that can knock on the door if something happens, right? Mm-hmm. And then the idea is for this to be successful, it matters that both the older adults and the family can use it without disrupting their lives. Mm-hmm. This is also why it was really important for us to get started with uh, make sure that it run on their own personal devices and that it's very easy to use, it's accessible, and uh, where the family really does not have to, you know, move to be with their parents or spend multiple hours or or hire very expensive third-party care 
to actually care for them. So we wanted to make sure that they could do this with as little disruption as possible. In order to do this, we provide the tools that I mentioned, and we also use machine learning. So machine learning, we use it for one purpose in particular, which is to ensure that we detect variations in the well-being of the older adult, whether there are variations that uh, need to be noted immediately or there are subtle variations on what their basic state was so that then the older adult and their caregivers can decide how to communicate that and what actions they should take for the, uh, for, with healthcare and with whatever services that are available to them. Carlos, quick question mm-hmm. on that. So, sure. so the, with the variations, that's really interesting, right? And, you know, there's a lot around voice biomarkers or, mm-hmm. you know, changes in responses or lag in normal responses. Like what data are you guys pulling? What are you looking for? And what types of things are you finding or have you found? So we're starting essentially with, as I mentioned, my brother is a medical doctor, a primary care. He has a lot of patients that are in this age range, right? And he looks at the things that he thinks that are either basic data that he wants to get on a regular basis, he would love to have, or data that is specific to conditions, right? So whether okay. there are cardiovascular care or cognition, et cetera. So we're starting with either questionnaires that can be answered by the caregivers or the older adult and data that gets collected on a regular basis and marks, you know, things very simple like temperature, which is now more important than ever, blood pressure, heart rate, breathing rate, etc. On top of this, we're looking at doing a sentimental analysis of the communications between the different parties in the, in the network as they talk to each other and look for either cognitive variations or emotional changes, right? Things that may be worthy of noting. On top of that, as you mentioned, there is uh, an opportunity to look at um, voice, which would give us information about about the the state of a person, whether it's, again, emotional state or cognition. And we're looking at uh, other mechanisms. But we're starting with basic questionnaires and data that gets collected on a regular basis. And then we're also changing how they get collected and when and how based on the uh, conditions underlying the older adult as well as contextual data that has to deal with, uh, did they just get out of the hospital? Are they having symptoms, et cetera? Very cool. No, thank you for highlighting that. There's definitely a huge need, especially now with you know social distancing and everything that we have yes. going on. So when you think about Hug and Tech and the platform that you guys are building, what would you say is that aha uh-huh value that it brings to people? Yes, so as I mentioned, The hole that we found in the solutions was the role of the families in the care of older adults. We saw the the role of the families as passive, maybe one person, maybe more active, main caregiver, et cetera, or using legacy solutions. I mean, I'm falling and I can't get up. It's interesting, but it was interesting 20 years ago, right? right? There, There are things that you can do now that are significantly better than that and complementary, but extend, also extend that, that value. So. What we do is what our aha moment was to say, if you look at the value that families bring to maintaining this healthcare, to therapeutic compliance, like medication compliance, for example, mm-hmm. if you look at uh, the, the well-being, et cetera, the value to the older adult is enormous. There have been longitudinal studies over the years that say that when the family is involved, they have families a positive force, then older adults stay healthier. They live independently longer. 
that independent life is also a reflection of their overall health. And when they lose it, there is a higher risk of isolation, a higher risk of deterioration of their health. So this is an enormous value proposition. Mm-hmm. For main caregivers also, what we have seen is that, uh, first of all, it's, it's uh, informal caregivers, so family members, right? It's a population that is larger than it seems. And it also, uh, looking at the, their demographics, especially as you compare them to their cohort in terms of age, etc., they are out of the job market more. They have more financial difficulties. They have more depression questions about them, anxiety, and they feel also that they're not valued as much as mm-hmm. uh, others. So suddenly, if you actually can tie that up and provide this value to them as they find a family, an extended community that actually is supportive of them, and also that provides this care for the older adult, we think that this opportunity is, is very significant. Finally, for healthcare, as I mentioned, the ability to actually collect more data at the home and the, the ability to even bring to the home some of the data collection that would be done in a clinic, you can actually avoid what's called visits of uncertainty. Something's mm-hmm. happening to me, I don't know what it is, can you tell me, etc. So something that you can actually do more remotely or you can collect data that then you can pass along to healthcare and healthcare can say, yeah, you need to worry about this or come to this, etc. And uh, you can prevent decompensations that then result in ER visits or in hospitalizations that are avoidable, right? Not all of them are. So we believe also there's a significant value for the healthcare system in in cost management and in uh, better outcomes by maintaining the healthy state of the older adult for a longer period of time. I think that's great, Carlos. And, you know, as we all look to care for our loved ones in these trying times, it's important that we consider the different options available and how well are they integrating to the full picture? (laughs) I've fallen and I can't get up. It's not enough. Right. And, and, and the reality, Carlos, you're right. We're passive. And maybe the one or two in the family that are a little more active, but then the resentment that happens when, when that happens as well is, is, is very real. So how can we spread the love and also do it in a tech-enabled way that uses data and keeps empathy at the center? If you think about any story in particular, Carlos, that stands out. So it turns out that we have a lot of requests from family, friends. One of the things that's been not surprising, but it's been enlightening to me and and also driving me to do this is the fact that what we're describing here is actually something that is very common. A lot of people can relate either personally today or in the past, parents, grandparents, some older adults in the family, or they know of someone, a neighbor, etc. When you actually have chronic conditions that are slowly evolving, um, like cognitive conditions, cardiovascular, et cetera. This is something where the care evolves as it goes along. So something that is maybe a little easier now becomes more complicated, et cetera. And we're talking now a population also that, you know, after 65, on the average, they live 20 years. 10 of those years, on the average, can be fully independent. And this demographically, of course, this is moving forward, right? Living longer, more independence, et cetera. So it's a long period of time with evolving conditions. So as you go along, people who have um, I, the, the mother of one of my wife's friends, and her, her mother has early stage uh, Alzheimer's. So, you know, it's something where she's caring for her, but, you know, that evolves. There's more worry. You have to be aware of how things are changing, et cetera. So as that 
change is evolving. The fact that you have multiple family members involved actually can make a big difference. The fact that you can share, that you can collaborate. And when, when you can do it personally or when you can do it via you know, a third party that you put together that you, that you hire, for example, to do, to do certain tasks. So, mm-hmm. But it's something where this, this whole family unit can actually um, have this, this role. And there are tools that do portions of this, right? There's, there's WhatsApp, you can talk to each other, there's calendar solutions, et cetera. But what we wanted to do too is to build a holistic solution where the collaboration, the communication, and then the coordination with healthcare and other services actually comes together into a single place. So you don't have to be running around and uh, making phone calls and using this other tool that then the other people don't have, et cetera. So we wanted to bring it together because we think that the holistic approach is, is right. Love it. Carlos, as you think about, you know, some of the things that you've run into, and I feel mm-hmm. like we, we learn more from our setbacks than, yes. than our successes. <laughs> it, you know, it could be at your many, you know, executive roles that you've held previously, mm-hmm. or it could be as you guys have put this one together. But what is that one setback that you learned so much from? So I think, I think the complexity of the system, of the healthcare mm-hmm. ecosystem. And, uh, and then also, as you start looking, uh, as you know, we're an international company. So there are cultural, ethical issues. There are different economic considerations, et cetera, that you actually have to be aware of. So how do you right. work with a family in Sweden versus New England versus Spain versus the Midwest? It's different. Uh, how older adults receive uh, or are open to solutions like this may depend on their cultural background. They may depend even on their gender. There are studies in the UK about the best approach to use with men who suddenly are, are lonely or are alone because their spouse died or because they retired, etc. And it's different, right? So you have to be subtle about, about how you address these issues so they're culturally correct and that you deal with the social considerations and then, of course, the complexity of the health system. So th- those are things that keep us busy. <laughs> and yeah, sure. uh, but there's some things that actually matter for us. And, and uh, we believe that uh, a one-size-fits-all you know, could, could answer this. I think that was a big lesson for us from the very beginning and something that uh, we, we are learning to address uh, as we go along. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good call out. And, you know, the pandemic is global. Yes. You know, the solutions that we build, if you're not thinking at a global scale, it's definitely potentially limiting to the growth that your company is faced with. So I appreciate you, you calling that out, Carlos. Yeah. What are you most excited about today? I think the opportunity is just, it's, it's enormous. And I think we can make a big difference. I mean, I think, yeah. I think that there, there is, as, as I mentioned before, the feedback that I get when I talk to people about this tends to be, universally interested. Clearly, we have to prove the value proposition. We have to prove that it works. We have to prove that people want to use this. We have to prove that the economic value is created. But can people get the idea? That, that's, it is almost visceral how, mm-hmm. how much people react to this. So that is a big driver for us. Then you mentioned the pandemic, and you're right. It has a lot of different impacts. One of them is economic, of course, making sure that you know we work throughout, uh, and we've been able to do telework. Uh, we're fortunate given the business we're in, etc. But also, what impact it's having on adult residences and on older adult residences? What's, what impact is having on on that population in particular? What impact is having on healthcare processes? So one of the things I'm seeing is that digitalization, which was happening in telemedicine, it's been accelerated. Right. So there's an opportunity now to act and to actually provide solutions that we were going in that direction anyway. But I think that now simply because of the complexity of even treating people 
is just driving this a little bit faster. For example, I told you my brother is, is a primary care physician. He does house visits. When he finishes a house visit, if it's COVID-related, he can't drive home. He can't take public transportation home. He has to walk home and then get home or, or whatever he needs to go to take a shower, change everything, etc. But it's, it's complex, right? It was always difficult. Now it's even more so. So the idea of doing, of, of taking some of this care into the home to have this communication channel with health, with healthcare to add to the solutions that are happening in telemedicine. I think this is something that uh, the pandemic is accelerating. So I think that gives us, if anything else, a more of an incentive to hurry up and actually bring the solution as fast as we can. Well said, Carlos. And it's certainly challenging. And, you know, your brother's doing great work. And so are all the other health providers out there. So big Absolutely. thanks for, if you're listening, you know, thank you for what you do. It's, yes. uh, it's, it's a challenging time. And so, Carlos, you and your team, We'll be putting together, I think, something pretty amazing for us. So keep at it. Uh, before yes. we conclude, leave us with a closing thought and then the best place where people will get in touch with you for further discussions. Sure. So again, let me finish with the pandemic also. I mean, apart from this role on, you know, accelerating digitalization, it, it is, I think, it's a reminder that healthcare is best approached as a common good by individuals and families, as well as communities and public entities private companies as a whole. I think it's too complex and too intertwined to treat it as like an optional benefit that is easily given up. And I think that the role of technology together with all these stakeholders, including the families, which I think is, is where our, our focus is, this plays a key role not only in producing better outcomes, but ensuring that we actually have the means to do it in a sustainable manner, which of course is, is important regardless of you know how the system works. And I can be reached at CML or Carlos Monteroluque, CML at huggingtech.com. Thank you very much, Sol. Yeah, no, thanks, Carlos. Appreciate what you guys are up to. And folks, to learn more, huggingtech.com. It's H-U-G-I-N-N-T-E-C-H.com. Carlos, thanks so much. So my pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care. Hey, everyone. Sol Marquez here. Have you launched your podcast already and discovered what a pain it could be to keep up with editing, production, show notes, transcripts, and operations? What if you could turn over the keys to your podcast busy work while you do the fun stuff like expanding your network and taking the industry stage? Let us edit your first episode for free so you can experience the freedom. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.